From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 249, and today I'm joined by actress Natalie Brown. Natalie can be seen in The Strain, as well as my most recent film, Ashgrove. Also joining is Mike McFadden whose writing credits include Jan. Also with us is filmmaker Patrick Haggerty. And we're going to sit down to watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Sunset Boulevard. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film, but not for a really long time. And I'll let everyone go around the room and... Hi, I'm Natalie Brown. First time watching. First time. Mike McFadden. Never seen this movie before. Yeah, Patrick Haggerty. Also never seen this movie. Uh, So Natalie picked it. Right? Yeah, I thought I was the only person who hadn't seen Sunset Boulevard, so so happy to have found other people with the same black hole. And this is our... Oh, I gotta take a drink. My throat is dying. Um, so this is our second Billy Wilder, because yeah. you came on a previous episode and did Something Like It Hot. Something Like It Hot. <coughs> Still stands up, which we didn't think it would. Surprisingly, yeah. It's In a so, way. There's so many, especially a movie like that that is so much about gender... Not true. Well, it's about gender tropes, but about gender relationships and whatnot. It was still, yeah, it wasn't cringy. No, I saw it not, not too long ago. Yeah, it's great. It does hold up. It's just a big. It's just a big it's sex fun. farce, right? Yeah. <laughs> In so many ways, but it but it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's fun. It's not mean spirited, yeah. which I think is the main thing. There's so many, like, not not for lack of a better term, but sex comedies, but movies like that that are mean spirited in some way, and yeah. that's when they don't hold up. You know, even though I was worried, we did um, Anchorman on the podcast not too long ago, huh. yeah. and I was very nervous watching that, because I hadn't seen it in about 10 years, but I was surprised by how, like, that actually it got better with age, because <laughs> it is so much about gender stereotypes, and in the workplace, right? And I'm like, oh, this is actually more relevant now than when it was originally made, because yeah. the conversations mm-hmm. we're having with equality and all that kind of stuff, right? It's right. ahead of its time. There's a, there's a killer diversity joke in there that I'm like, this joke is so ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but why, so what, uh, what's your relationship with, like, say, Billy Wilder movies, then, in general? Like, have you seen many Billy Wilder movies, everyone else? Needed to see more of them. I also hadn't seen many Marilyn movies, which is what brought me to Some Like It Hot. Right. More so than Billy Wilder. Yeah, but you and you still haven't seen The Apartment, though, either. I, mean, I, that, I, I thought it was going to be our trilogy. I know, but I've already... I it all on my own. We, I can pick another. There's a, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a great list of Billy Wilder movies, so don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Mike? I'm the, I am not somebody who sees old movies very much, so this is one that I'm aware of, because it has like a place in the cultural, you know, like collective consciousness 
Um, but for whatever reason, I have actually seen a few Billy Wilder movies, including some like It Hot in the Apartment. And those are all those, you know, both those are examples of movies where I was like, oh, that didn't fall into whole sorts of stereotypes I have in my head of old, you know, classic movies. Mm. They're surprisingly modern in, in a lot of ways. So, And how about you? Very similar with me. Uh, I'm very much a cinephile, have been all my life, but I don't always gravitate towards old movies. I thought I hadn't seen a Billy Wilder movie until you said something like it hot is <laughs> Wilder and I'm like okay great. you watched it from Maryland I had seen that um, yeah so I didn't even realize this was Billy Wilder I've heard of Billy Wilder but uh, and I've heard of this movie I really know very very little about it so without getting nerdy about it I'm a huge Wilder fan there's this great <laughs> book and there's a limited number of these wow. apparently so Cameron Crowe did this uh, like seminal book it's called Conversations with Wilder for those watching but it's it's tons of photo old photos and whatnot. But he Cameron Crowe, I can't remember in between what movies it was. I think he just finished um, the Tom Cruise one. Uh, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky, not Vanilla Sky, the one before that, the uh, Jerry Maguire. Oh, right. Um, or maybe anyway, it doesn't matter. But he ended up like contacting Billy Wilder because he was a huge fan of his, and just spent like the next couple months hanging out with him for hours at a time and just recording their conversations because he was just going to write he was just going to write like something for uh, a magazine or a, or whatnot but it ended up turning into this book mm-hmm. that's just full of these great conversations between them and it's great because like there's this journey in in their conversations too where it starts out with Wilder clearly is not into this whole process <laughs> and he's like well maybe next time he's like yeah, maybe we'll meet up again. I don't know. Probably not. This article's not going to turn anything. Nobody's going to care about this. So, and he keeps all of that stuff in. So it's a really fun, like, almost watching them become friends. But it's also this cool dissection, and it's something that I do, too, where it's like, I, you know, I'm a fan of Cameron Crowe, so it's like, but then once you, like, exhaust all of their movies, what you're like, well, then who inspired them? Right. And so right. for this, it's like, well, you from him, you go to, like, Billy Wilder. From Billy Wilder, you go to, um, like, Ernst Lubitsch. And, like, guys like that from the 40s, right? So it's just, it's really interesting because then you start hearing, like, who inspired Wilder and who, and the guys that he came up through. So it's this interesting, like, nerdy movie history book that gets into, like, the idea of, like, what are the weird things that create you and your voice? Right. Um, so the lineage anyway. of inspiration. Yeah, and just, and the, th- and the way that you go, that you weren't expecting different paths and just, and just watching, like... Just doing like it's it's a, it's from, it's like my version of genealogy, but for movies, right? Of going, what is that person? What was inspired that person? Right? You look at Woody Allen. Woody Allen is like, if Ingmar Bergman meets the Marx Brothers, and mm. those two things shouldn't go together, but when they do, that's what gets created. Yeah. Right. Um, and me myself, I'm this weird mishmash of all different genres. I was wondering, what's your? I don't have one. Like I love all different genres because I grew up with an uncle who just like made mixtapes of movies from like stolen movies at the video store, and would have like, (laughs) well, he would just like copy the tapes, right? Okay. Whatever he rented, and he would have like there'd be a comedy, a western, and a horror movie on the same tape. There's no curation (laughs) to it, just like random things, and I'd borrow these tapes and just watch them straight through. This explains everything. No, but that's just it. And so I have, like, I love anything well told. Like, I love all the genres. Like, I primarily make comedy, but I'm kind of interested in, in everything. I'm just starting to, like, finally get a chance to dip my toe into other things that way. Um, but, what, like, what are some of, like, before we get into it, and we will, because this is a long intro, but, like, what are the kind of things that, off the top of your hand, you think that might inspire, like, 
you as storytellers or artists in terms of what, what gravitates you and like the early things that you watched? I oddly had all of my favorite movies ended up being like Spanish films. Huh. Um, not so much Amaldivar, I mean, who's also great, but like Y tu mama también, like early Inaritu, um, Sex and Lucia. I have to say it like that because I also had a Spanish roommate at one point. Um, so I'm like, I don't know what that says, but I just, yeah, they were all, I just think any really good character-driven dramas that have several elements in them, right? So they're not just relational, like some of them are kind of relationship thrillers, which I think your movie Ashgrove might be possibly categorized as. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know how that affects me as a storyteller. I don't speak Spanish, but um, yeah, just like really great character-driven stories for me i mean it's mostly about comedy and we've already done a podcast about one of my major influences which was peewee's big adventure yeah (laughs) and so i feel like a lot of how i look at the world comedically is it's like a big dollop of like peewee's big adventure and that sort of like there's a lot of overlap of like snl and simpsons and you know uh you know, L.A. improv <laughs> culture mixed in there. And then je- also just random stuff like Homestar Runner. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. You know. I haven't thought of Homestar Runner in, like, <laughs> 10 years. But also, like, Tom and Jerry. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's all kind of, like, mixed in there. And then in terms of, like, I, but that's that's sort of, like, the, the comedy side. But, I mean, you know, as a TV writer, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not just writing jokes and sketches. Like, there's always story involved. So I feel like... There's like the comedy sensibility, but then there's a set, almost a separate storytelling sensibility. And I feel like that's really influenced by like just the like the the dramas that I was obsessed with as a kid, which would be like a lot of like Spielberg and Lucas stuff mm. where it's like really like, you know, uh, like, you know, the, the storytelling has got a real forward momentum to it. You never have to be like as a kid, I never had to be patient right. watching a movie in the way that some movies demand of you that you start to acquire a taste for when you're older. And there's a certain, there's a certain impatience in my, in my writing sometimes <laughs> and my viewing where I'm like, let's sure. get on with it. Like this, mm. let's, Similar, can right? this scene be half as long? Can this joke be 12 words instead of 20? Mm. Love that. Yeah. I, you know, when you were talking about, uh, the, the VHS mixtapes, like it just made me think that like we come from a time and I'm, I think I'm a little older than you are, but like back in, you know, when we were first started consuming movies and media, it's like, we didn't have as much choice, not nearly as much choice. Right. Like there were 13 channels on the dial on a television and, and nine of them came in before the VCR. <laughs> I, yeah. Before the VCR, we didn't have a VCR. The neighbors got one before we did, but then even then there wasn't that much choice. And like my single mom would drop my brother and I off at a movie theater on a Saturday and she'd go shopping or do her stuff. And like whatever was playing, we'd, watch and they were like they were mostly sci-fis mostly caught like my imagination back then but um yeah but i i'd say my influences are really uh varied based on all that back then like random movies would be on tv like even i don't know ctv uh, afternoon sunday movies you'd like you'd watch what was on if it was good whether it was a western or a sci-fi or a drama whatever kind of held, whatever held your attention but which i think put my influences all over the place like yours yeah, but even I found like the video store was like you had you're at the mercy of what was left too. Sometimes like you might have went in going oh I want to rent this, yeah, yeah. but then it was gone. Yeah, and I'm like well I'm here. I get might as well get something. 
And what's cool with the video store I had growing up was that it had like three tiers of movies. It was like the new releases, slightly older, and then, you know, classics or the red tags that were. <laughs> and if you rented a new release, you got an old, like the red tag for free. Whoa. So I would just grab things at random that I hadn't seen before, right? <laughs> and it could be anything. Or I'd get, you know, the, the, the clerk to recommend something, right? Back in the day when you could have a human curate you and not, right. just, not just your Netflix queue. Yeah. Uh, which I miss as well, that, uh, that concept of just like randomly. And then you would stick with it because you couldn't just, if you turned it off, you didn't have anything else to watch. You couldn't just like click <laughs> yeah. over to the next title in the queue You'd be like, well, that was my... I'm like, so we'd watch things that we normally wouldn't give more than 10 minutes. And sometimes they turned out and sometimes they didn't. But, um, yeah. yeah, we just had more patience then, I Stick think. Stick with it Yeah, because the alternative <laughs> was watching nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just talking with my wife the other day about... Because uh, who is it from the cast of Sesame Street just passed away? Oh, Louis. 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 Yeah. Can't remember the actor's name. My apologies. But, and I had some, I just related some random, like, watching Sesame Street memory. And I was, like, sort of admitting, like, I think I was probably 10 at the time. But it was, like, I was too old for Sesame Street. But sometimes it was, like, it's all that's on. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I going to watch? The news? No. But I'm going to watch TV. I like that those are the two options. Until the soaps came on. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, before we start, then, what do you know about Sunset Boulevard? Um, it's about... An aging actress past her prime. I, uh, I mean, I... Even that's a spoiler? <laughs> yeah, like spoilers. Oops. I think it's about a... Cra- to me, it's a movie about a crazy movie star. Okay. I, di- I didn't even know that much. I All right. I think I have, well, like... I just leave it. I have a vague image of the poster in my mind with, like, a man and a woman in a car. Staircase. Like, I, I, that's it. Like, I don't know. A staircase? Her descending a grand staircase. That's okay. All, that's all I'm here for. I love it. I love that where that's where we're at. So we're going to stop and we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished and... Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> I thought Natalie had the saddest reaction when she realized Norman Desmond was only 50. <laughs> it hit a little close to home, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Coming up on 49, it was a little depressing, yeah. a, little too, um, a little too pertinent still. <laughs> also, it's like, oh, it's an old-timey movie we thought we were watching that's yeah. a little too relatable. I was really thinking, like, wow, I'm really relating to this down, this like writer guy, and like, oh, and Natalie might be relating to <laughs> somebody <laughs> to the crazy in the movie as well. Why is this oh. movie poignant? I don't want it to be poignant. I don't want this movie to be poignant. Why is Hollywood yeah. the same? Yeah. Yeah, if not worse, right? In some yeah. ways. Um, well, even the young um, Betty was forced to get a nose job when she was in her teens. Yeah. And right? then they realized that that was in her face. It was her acting. They didn't like her acting. Yeah. It, it really shows that not, well, some things have changed, but not a lot has changed with like, the, the struggle and the business and, you know, how yeah, rough it can be. Eat you up and spit you out. and mm-hmm. Well, definitely, we're, it, there, it's gotten better in some degrees. Like, it used to be that, it's especially for women, right? It's like, it used to be you'd show up and they give you a new name and they would, and just, and we were talking about this while we were watching, but just like the idea of like, the pills and all, like, you know, the Judy Garland stories yeah, and all yeah, those yeah. things. Yeah, and just yeah. like the lack of, not only respect, but just, you know, he, treating people like human beings. Where at least I feel like, especially now, and even really just in the last five years since 
you know, the Me Too era has come about, people are finally comfortable speaking out about, you know, terrible behavior. Like, I can't imagine the number it's of... It's not necessarily any easier, though. If you no. Phoenix Rising, that just came out. Yeah. Um, for sure. But I just mean at least people It's not don't in feel... contracts. They don't put it on paper. The industry might still do it. Right. As a whole. They just don't want it. They don't put it in writing anymore. Oh. That's yeah. fair. I mean, there's people still just as, you know, medicated and under the pressures of, of trying to stay young. Like, literally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just meant more bad behavior gets outed than it used to. Right. Um, but there's still some that doesn't because people live, it is such an industry that's just based on fear and based on not wanting to have a bad reputation and not wanting to, um, be irrelevant. Yeah. But Norma's, Norma's a different, Norma's just feels like for Norma's story, it just feels more like she just falls out of favor. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, DeMille has that great line where he's like 30,000 fans abandoned her. Um, or well, this says she started being hard to work with towards the end too. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that woman. You think she was hard to work with? That. that? <laughs> well, even at the, like the very, the very last scene with the reporter who's about to, you know, report on the the murder. Yeah. But as she's kind of watching, you see her heartbreak, watching what was probably oh, yeah. her idol, just sort of disintegrated. You know, mentally, it's like it breaks your heart, which I feel like a lot of us can maybe relate to today a little bit after. Oh, last night's debacle. It's we're, sort of like we're recording this the day after the uh, the Oscars we, of this year. Is everybody already exhausted about talking about them? Yes. Or should we talk? Yeah, right. Like how? Anyway, Just, that, yeah. that's amazing. Alluding to, alluding to when you know yeah. there is an interesting parallel between Norman 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 Bez Desmond and and what Will Smith uh, occurred last night. But we'll get to that later. We can come back around to that mm. after we after we dissect the movie. Um, what I I've, only, I've seen the movie maybe once or twice. It hasn't been a long time. But the thing that I was like really kind of obsessed with this time was Max. Mm. And what a fascinating... And I forgot yeah. about that he was the first husband. That's so deeply that weird. That surprised me <laughs> very deeply. Yeah, it hits on the melodrama, but also just the, oh, he's way sadder now, too. Like, this whole situation yeah. just got, like, ten times sadder. But he yeah. legitimately loves her. Oh, yeah. So it almost kind of, like, grounds the fact that um, she's not the only one sort of believing it. It's like he kind of... I think he discovered her, he directed her, he married her. He needs to sort of keep her afloat and alive, too, because otherwise he loses, I think, this love of his life. Yeah. I don't want to do the math on, like... Because I think he said she was 16. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do the math on their relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Slim Beyond vibes, for sure. Yeah. But, well, he was, but he was definitely at least 10 years her senior, if not more, right? Right. Um, not unusual for that time. Well, no. what about the other couple, though? Like, what's her, what's her name? Was 22. Mm-hmm. How old are we thinking? What was the main uh, character's name again? Or the oh, Marty? Marty. Oh, what? yeah, how old is... Oh, for sure he's in his 30s. Yeah, He's at least sure. 10 years old. Same, at least. But, yeah, and, and like Patrick said, it wasn't uncommon at that age for the men to be a decade or so older. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's just, yeah. Which is why I kind of like the flip, though, because you're used to seeing the men significantly older in a yeah. relationship. Sure, then yeah. the whole basis of their relationship is the kept man. Right, and he has no shortage of like complaints about that, too, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, and, and the sh- shame involved in that and the amount of sort of prostituting yourself for... Whatever it is, or you know, whatever you're there, right? Yeah, because at one point, he, like, even when he drops into that drugstore at some point, and he's just kind of become reserved. He's like, "No, I'm not a writer anymore." He's just like, he's okay being a he's kept, resigned to being a, a kept yeah. man. And he's like, "Yeah, writing didn't work out. I don't know if I'll go back to Ohio. This is not so bad." Yeah, 
I, I got to strip uh, normal. Like they were having sex, right? Yeah, they, it's implied. We have to yes. assume that they, like, they 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 never because of the. There was one like. They were moving towards each other. She pulls him in. Yeah. yeah, there's been some. There yeah, and she had these like, like, like it was like it was like a claw hand. Well, oh, she's got the suicide bandages on, but also right? like yeah. literal claws. I feel like yeah. her hand affectations were specifically like she was like this sort of frail bird, but when she got her claws into you, Oof. don't escape. No, but the Max thing was just, like he was great because like you had this empathy for him, just like the the way the look on his face, even at the end. When she's walking down the stairs and he, he turns back and Yeah, he gets oh, he gets to direct again. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> when did you say Max wins too? What's or that? what did we say? Something about like, oh, Max is having his moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he needed this moment as much as she did. It's pretty fun to turn around. What like, don't, but just, don't forget about the dead monkey at the beginning. Oh <laughs> man. What was that? That was, was our... that was the thing where, that's where I was I was really like, this is not the movie I thought it was. Like Michael Jackson and then like and then and then she kind of like baited him in and it was like, Oh, she got her she got her new monkey. The dead she monkey should have been a red flag. Yeah, I mean to be, be a spoiler alert. Obviously, I mean the movie starts with a dead body in the pool, so it can't be that big of a spoiler. But to be fair, you're right. I mean, I I never thought of the parallel of like it. The day he shows up in the house, they're burying her last pet. Yeah, and then it's kind of brilliant. He's a new pet. Yeah, yeah. I never uh, put that together before, so that's great. And well, here you are, first first time you're like. Yeah. yeah, she can't be alone. She went through three husbands and the monkey, and then they oh god, I didn't count how many plots were in that just, backyard. I just just like oh. how it's like. I think of like other eras. It's like yeah, there are differences in fashion, differences in like lapels and hem lengths, and whether you're wearing a hat or not. But not like whether you think it's a good idea to have a monkey as a pet. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing that is. Gone out of fashion. Has it? Be I'm a fancy I still lady. Want a I'll own a lion. Like that's that's <laughs> like a, a rich people. That's thing. an extreme. Yeah. We I feel like that's not the eccentric. I don't know. Hugh Hefner had holes due. At his, at the, I know people that are like within the city limits that go to some house. There's a shrunken head guy who's got straight. You got a shrunken animals. head guy? I I knew a guy who had a collection of shrunken heads, and then there was Whoa. another place I never went to where he had like a caged lion on the property. Yeah. And this is like within our city. See? It's a, I would I would gladly <laughs> have a pet monkey. Uh I say I've always I, I want a pet pig is what I want. Oh, I can see you with a pet pig. monkey. You can't have them in the city though. You'd be very you good. You can't have pigs in the city? No, you can't have we've we've uh, we looked into it. Because okay. I was obsessed for a while having a pet pig. <laughs> They're so smart. But if we if we ever move to the farm full time, I will oh. definitely be getting myself a pet pig because I can have one there. I can see you being a very good pet monkey owner. Well, just a little. You can get them, <laughs> and they don't grow too too big. You can get like kind of dwarf pigs. I don't know if that's the right way to say it anymore. You used to call them dwarf pigs. Uh, that, pop, a little popbelly mm, pigs. Popbelly pigs might be the more sure. culturally appropriate nice. way yeah. to describe a pig. But uh, anyway, eccentric uh, money, weird animals. You don't need a lot of money to own a pig. No. <laughs> I, got, I got pig guys. But, um... One time me and Christine bought, like, some furniture on, like, Craigslist and went to pick it up in the country. And the lady was like, oh, don't go in because, uh, you know, you don't want you to let the pig out. And I was thinking potbelly pig. And no, it was like a pig the size of this they, coffee table. They do like, get huge. If it you, was huge. Like they're like a ton. Like yeah. 500 pounds to yeah. a ton. In the house? In the house. Oh, my and God. The, and it showed. 
<laughs> the shouse yeah. was like showing some yeah. serious pig wear and tear. You gotta imagine by the time the pig's that old, it's been their pet for how many years? Like, what are they gonna do? Ship it off to the butcher? Like, like that's your that's your pet. Like, you're not gonna. No, and yeah, they're like smart as dogs, right? Like smart. Yeah. but it's in the house and it's huge, and it, yeah. So I see that. So I gotta make sure whatever breed I get is stays tiny enough. Yes, we only need to be cautious with our pets. Choice of pets. Yeah. Um, I love the relationship between like the way as he was like starting to sneak around and go start writing the script or just anything else where Max would catch him, but he didn't like it, Max wasn't trying to what was cool interesting about Max was that he was never like trying to be the whistleblower on him mm-hmm. or keep him in line. It was more like I get it, man. Go out, do your thing. <laughs> but she can't find out. Mm-hmm. Like, he was protecting both of them in a weird way. Like, he just wanted to keep the status quo. Yeah. He didn't want to rock the boat. Didn't was... His allegiance were to her, first and foremost, but... Yeah, he wasn't jealous of him. He just wanted to keep her happy, and he was... He, he knows that she needs something to fixate on or a person to... Yeah. Who was making her happy. Which made the whole husband thing even more. I was like, fuck, it's like, he's just... God, he, that's love. Like, that is... It's a fucked up weird love. <laughs> that's love. That's a real high tolerance for awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. He also needs him. He totally had peoples in the world. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, without him helping her, then he's without Well, they, they all role. need each other, they right? They all need each other. In this weird way. Yeah. For sure. Codependence at its finest. What was going to happen <laughs> if he didn't get a flat tire at that exact moment? I would like to know with all her money why she didn't have a gardener, like a hot garden boy. Like That's why was like, the inside yeah. so lavish? Champagne and caviar, got all the money we need. Because production we'll design. Yeah. They needed, yeah. they needed the, the, the outside of the house they to have an arc too. Yeah. That's true, and it did. But it was a little bit of a head scratcher why she would, the outside. Well, I guess it was all about, Yeah. because she saw, she saw about appearances. But not on the outside. But not on the outside. Yeah, that Maybe tracks. Because she hasn't left in 20 years. She hasn't left the house. She doesn't know what it looks like. Yeah, hasn't. Lily hasn't stepped outside. She's trapped in front of the, the lights of her mirror. The the millions of fucking pictures on everything. <laughs> I know some people like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Maybe yeah. not quite as many. How it's many good. of these photos, Jeremy, are you in? By the way, before we start criticizing. Fa- okay. <laughs> I know it's family, but are you in every one of them? No, I'm not in everyone. There's one of just uh, just Ennis Esmer and Julian Richings. Oh, okay. But uh, to be fair, I'm in quite a few of them. Yeah. But it's more about like before we cast stones. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm in a, few, a fair number of these photos. It did cross my mind when I was looking at all the wondering. pictures of her. I'm like, it's me here? hanging out with all my friends. <laughs> it's not just photos of just me though. Uh, okay, fair. I'd like the point. I don't think there's fair. a single photo on that wall that <laughs> is just, just you. Just that's you. A, that's that, fair. That is true. Yes. Um, but I never thought of it that way now. I feel very just about my photo wall. You're welcome. God damn it. You ruined it for me. You ruined my one thing that I enjoy in this room. So here we are in your shrine to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you bastards. Uh, on your it's podcast. Just, it's just his name in other places. Oh what my defensive God. of Norma. This is my office. This is where I work. I anyway, it. you bastards. Uh, Gloria Swanson is, so she's Norma. Yeah. Uh, was an actual um, silent star, mm-hmm. and so like the, the the funny thing is is when she shows up and has that comment about Paramount, how it's like there would be no Paramount with me. She's also like as the <laughs> real live person isn't wrong. Like she was the biggest star at Paramount for about six 
at least six years of, of like the early days of Paramount. Right. Um, as a silent actress. As a silent actress, yeah. Did she write this script in her crazy house? <laughs> no, no, but the, the, I, the big difference between her and, and Norma was that she was totally fine leaving it all behind once like pictures went to talkies. And she actually went and had a career in New York on the stage mm. and did that. Mm. And so when she got the call to do this, she was like, what? Me? I don't do movies anymore. Really? And they had to convince her to do it. Wow. Um, to come back because it was like a, a big return picture for her too. Like she, <laughs> I don't know if it was, I don't think it was 20 years like <laughs> the way it is for, for uh, Norma. But it was a, th- a thing. But it wasn't like they, it wasn't like it is here obviously. She leaned all the way in. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, she's so... She goes for it, and she, it's like so clear sometimes how much fun she is having. Yeah, I think with that performance, those eyes, it's like wild. Well, now knowing though that this was like this was a return for her, so I feel like yeah, she had the most fun. She's like, I'm gonna come back and do one picture. Yeah, <laughs> I'm leaning well, all the way in. There's a scene where they watch like her movies in the house, and there's like there's an old silent movie with her, and she does look younger, and it made me think that. I oh, don't know for sure. Really I could look it up, but it's probably one of her old films. Well, all of those headshots that you know, those were her old headshots. Yeah, you know, but even there's younger. like some caricatures in there. They yeah, right, and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's all old because there would have been so much stuff to grab from. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's I not always like, love movies about the film business and like they go on the sets and you see the old sets how they're run and everything. And uh, I just I love that. They built a lot of it in. Like, they go to Paramount. They're not making up something else. And Cecil B. DeMille's in it. Like, that was... was well, and also Buster Keaton. Like, yeah. like they, yeah. don't, they don't mention Buster Keaton by name, but he's there. Yeah. And he was a silent... He actually doesn't speak in the movie, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, all the silent actors that she hangs out with, you never hear them speak. Yeah. Did think one that, yeah. Oh, apparently, like, her bridge ladies were actual just her, like, friends that she plays bridge with. Oh, okay. They tried to bring in, like, you know, legitimate Someone. people. Um, Hilarious. Cecil playing himself. Buster Keaton, I think, was himself. Yeah. Well, they, they never uh, re- refer. They just call him the wax figures yeah. or something oh, like that, right? right? Oh yeah. But yeah, they, to the point that Paramount was cool letting it be shooting actually on the lot, and then I guess that not only did they not have a problem with it, but it became like the big thing. Like it was the it was the rushes to go to when the movie was shooting. Everyone would like gather around. Oh. And oh. That was on the lot. Want, wanted to see what what was going yeah. on. Because they were shooting a lot of it on the lot, and Paramount oh. was playing itself, and uh, so it was a very hot ticket was to that, get into those rushes. Was that based on the success of his prior films that they gave him that kind of access? Wilder? Yeah. Oh, sure. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have to look up exactly where this falls in his career, but by this, it's definitely in the middle somewhere, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm curious. I'm going to look it up. Mm-hmm. But... um I think so, but also, I mean, let's be honest, like, Hollywood loves a movie about Hollywood, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I realized, it's like, oh, they've always loved movies about themselves. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is 1950, so this would have been, I mean, he's got 27 writing credits. I wonder if, I feel like this is somewhere in the middle. It's before Seven Year Itch, but it's after, well, actually, this is one of his first big movies. Interesting. Because he'd done Lost Weekend, Double Indemnity, um, Foreign Affair. But this before is, him. But this is before, like, Ace in the Hole and Sabrina hasn't come yet, Seven Year Itch. So actually his best movies are yet to come still. Hmm. This is probably considered his first, like, really big, great movie. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I thought it was a little bit later. I was so, I was... And Double Indemnity came before, though? Double Indemnity was before. So, yeah, I guess he had a couple of... 
Yeah, he was like a solid working successes. So, what, and what year was this? 1950. Um, and it won the Oscar for screenplay, set direction, uh, and music. And her. No, they were both nominated, but they didn't win. Who beat her? And so was he. Um, the guy played Max. Who What's beat her? And and so was uh, was it Betty? Was the uh, she's great. Who who beat her? Who uh, beat Swanson that year? Oh, I'd have to look it up. Now I'll look it up. <laughs> you can look it up. Yeah, I'll look it up. So it would have been the 1951 Oscars. hard to imagine. Uh, and he was nominated for... Or it, was not, it looks like it was nominated in every single category, but they won for uh, screenplay, art direction, and music. Uh, a movie about a, a hack writer? Yeah. The screenplay wins. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. That's... That's it was, it was cl- really clever writing. I loved the, the the narration. That was very. Yeah. It's that's. I mean, that's the one thing I've always loved about Billy Wilder is just like the zingers and just like it's that carefully crafted dialogue, um, but it's it's not like vaudevillian. It doesn't mm. like it. It feels. It definitely feels written. It has a quality yeah. where you can feel the writing, but it doesn't. But it's so delightful that you're okay with it. Well, this is fitting because it was it's the screenwriter. It's his voice, and he's yeah. like he's being you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, even just the way he introduces himself at the beginning, it's like, oh, just a nobody in the pool, just some writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. B-movies, yeah. What'd you find? Nominated for three, but now I'm trying to think who won that year. That's not true. It's 1950. Well, let's say who beats you. Who beat... Yeah, you can just look just up the best year. Oscar winner in 1951. It's yeah. probably the best way to look for it. Yeah. Um... What I it, it's the movie this one always makes me think of is um, oh what's her name it's uh, Bullets Over Broadway um, Diane Weist mm. uh, right? yeah. is like clearly doing such not I don't want to say an impression because she's so good on her own and, and it is different the character there but it's so there's definitely an inspiration of Norman Desmond in uh, in Diane Weist's performance the don't speak <laughs> yeah. Um, they did do because you mentioned the staircase, Natalie, which is the very end. I know that the most iconic scene is the very last. But it was one. also wasn't this also a stage show at some point? Yeah, it was, it was like a big, like it was like a a music big uh, like musical, a movie-ish. Yeah, I don't know if it's a musical, but it was like a big stage show, show. Like, and I think this, and I remember like the posters was all about that staircase because I'm sure right. like that. That's was... all I. That's all I really knew. The movie was her descending the staircase. Yeah, because I, I feel like the posters, if I remember, are almost like this double staircase that meets in the middle, and she's standing down at the bottom of it. And I feel like that was the theatrical posters, right? Uh, or theatrical meaning stage theatrical that were all over the city at one point. Yeah, um, I never saw it, but uh, not me either. Um, but you can see how this could easily become. Uh, a stage production because it, you know ninety percent of it takes place inside that house. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that is a massive scene at the end. It's like it's not like tacked on. It's like that's the culmination of everything. It's like oh my god, look how like look at her psychosis. Like look how far she's she's gone. And everybody kind of in Hollywood too like allows it, right? They're like oh how oh well we're gonna play along to get her downstairs. Like it kind of reminds me of. A lot of my days at work, I'm like, oh, let's play along and get the, get the crazy person to set. But yeah. well, even you know, <laughs> uh, kind of like we, we were we were talking about earlier today, Natalie, like um, watching the Oscars last night, and and the Oscars have this like obsession with bringing out like the aging celebrities who yeah. are just not all there anymore, and 
it embar it, it it feels like it's more embarrassing for them than it is celebratory. Right. Like the way even um, Anthony Hopkins. Well, yeah. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins felt a bit that was his like last he last wasn't week. quite within. Like he didn't have the all grass. the words and things mm-hmm. were confusing and, and I feel like produced like there's I'm the sure Kirk Douglas when they did it with Kirk Douglas Kirk Douglas did it but even last night at the end they brought out um, Cabaret Liza Minnelli and she clearly like and and Lady Gaga was so lovely with she her was. and she was, kept on saying I got you don't worry mm-hmm. but it's like she was clearly confused mm-hmm. and not wasn't even yeah. sure where she was at some points but it was oh just like gosh. And, you know they're literally wheeling around in a wheelchair and it was like it's lovely to see her but just put her in the audience mm-hmm. right and, and, and show a clip where like don't do that to her. I mm-hmm. think the Godfather thing was kind of awkward with those guys and just how they put it together. I don't know. It was, it was a- everything was awkward. Everything was yeah. awkward. I My think- son was even making fun of because they did all this thing for those watching who didn't watch. But it's like, and part sometimes it worked where they bring they show like this is this anniversary of this movie. And then they bring out some of the cast members. But when they did Pulp Fiction, I think it was like 28 years. My son was like, 28? So they couldn't ra- get to round it up and down. Like, 25, 30, 28? Come back in two years. <laughs> so yeah. awkward. And I said so 13, awkward. and he was just like... Let's the best editing Oscar yeah. so that we can watch, like, 28-year anniversaries of... That melted my brain. I was like, I, I heard about it, and, like, just ahead of it, I was like, what are the eight categories they're not doing? And I'm like, editing? I know. Score? Production yeah. designer? I'm like, what? what are they doing? Yeah. Well, it's just, and I get it, it's just, and, you know, people, I've seen this debate online for forever about whether the Oscars are relevant anymore. And they're they're what, dead. They're done. Well, especially for last night. <laughs> you know, when a, when a brawl, when you go to an Oscar ceremony where an industry congratulates itself and you watch a fight break out. But there's also, made, like, similar to the movie, though, like how much we are also going to, like, be entertained by... You know the spectacle. The spectacle. People well, struggling mentally. But that's the saddest. Yeah. Thing. That's the saddest thing that came Enabling out of that. last night's Oscar was that it's a year where, you know, uh, Tony was. I can't. I can't pronounce his last name properly. He won Best Supporting Actor. The oh the, from Coda. From Coda, yeah. Uh, Troy, sorry, I yeah. said Tony. Thank you. Um, you know, so first time a deaf actor wins that category because. Maitland won her in the 80s, right? Mm. So, you know, first time um, a woman of color wins Best Supporting Actress, right? First time a woman wins the directing Oscar twice. Yeah. You know, so many great firsts, but nobody's... Coda. Coda is like, you know, for us indie filmmakers, is like, that's... I mean, Moonlight did the same thing, but it's like the idea is like a movie that is not... doesn't have like a $100 million budget... Uh, and like hard. impeccable art, and that's <laughs> I know so many people complain and say, "Well, it looked like a TV movie." I'm like, who cares? I'm like, when I watched that movie, it fucking hit me. Like that movie made me cry in a way I was not expecting, you know. And it's like, what a nice just message to the future filmmakers going. You can make a movie; it doesn't have to be a ten million dollar movie. Even like mm-hmm. I think Coda was made for like two million dollars. Yeah. You know, that's within the realm of like most filmmakers. Um, in Canada, right? Working within, like, the telephone system. Yeah, that film's achievable for a lot of people. That's just it. So it's like, that's such a great, like, inspiration for that, right? I don't care that it didn't, you know, didn't win all the technical Oscars, (laughs) you know? You know, I didn't hate Dune, but I didn't love it. It kind of bored me, Mm -hmm. you know? I I appreciated it for its beauty, but it didn't hit me on a gut level, right? Mm -hmm. Where am I going with this? But, so all these (laughs) things, but all these great things that came out of last night, but all anyone was talking about today was like this 10 second moment where someone lost their fucking mind. Well, apart from that, there's a lot of things that upset me too. It's like the, the in memoriam thing was a horrible mistake. And do you, 
Yeah. A little more celebratory than we're used well, to. Well, it was so weird because time. it was like, it was really focusing on the select, and they always select, you know, hold a couple cards longer, but just the way they did music and brought up people to talk about you, just it, Ivan Reitman or this or that. I, it just seemed like somebody was reacting to some executive's note going like, oh, you know, well, I don't know. My kids always get really sad with it in my morning. Can we make it more fun? You know, like it's just, Let's make the deaths funner! <laughs> I, I get it. Okay, they wanted to make it a celebration of life, but it's just like, I don't think they did it well. It's like the the the, the performance was like too big and, and smiley and like it was just too much. And But also what happened was the ca- like the camera operators and the director, they were like, they're getting wider shots because they got to get all the performers and the performance. And then like the image of the dead people and their name is like this small in the back and you can't read them. Like it's about that. Like, mm, and it just, to me, it actually made me really sad. Like the, the Oscars, I mean, aside from the Will Smith thing is like that, like the in memoriam cutting all those, the, the eight awards. And it just like, and it still it, went 40 minutes too long. Just, I yeah. always, I've loved them all my life. Cause like when I was younger, they were aspirational. And then like for the last like 20 years, it's like, it's a celebration of my business and my life and my colleagues and like people I work with. And it's, and still a little aspirational, but it's like the celebration of like the hard work of filmmakers and crews. And, and, and if, you know, so what if like my in-laws I'm watching it with get bored and they don't know what a, what the difference between sound editing and sound mixing is like, that doesn't matter. It was for us. Yeah. You watched it cause the stars are there and that's fine. It's like, but at some point they were like, people stopped watching, I guess. And they're like, well, now we got to make it for, the everyday people like they really took it away from like film oh, yeah. people went no, favorite we're movie make it. moments from the flash like and like lowest common denominator for people at home for you mm-hmm. like they i don't know they're trying to get the young people and it's just like they it's, it's done like it's well, not because it, it, and it's funny but i think it's because star culture is kind of over you know i think mm-hmm. we're, we're we're at this point i know there's been that long conversation in the canadian industry but like well we have to build the star system like they have in the states but i don't think the states has one anymore I think there's like maybe three actors that yeah. can bring in box office no matter what they do. The young people are all in a TikTok star. No, they don't YouTube care. So that's that's what I mean. It's like yeah. there's yeah. no like Tom Cruise is one of the three. But even Overseas, like not even at home. Yeah, but even, but then other actors like they bring in a crowd if they play a specific role. Mm-hmm. Like even when Robert Downey Jr. did his first movie after Marvel when he did that, uh, um, the Doctor Doodle one, right? It was like, it didn't do well, because he wasn't Tony Stark. Mm. Nobody, they didn't go. They went, they, so it's like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man equals box office. Robert Downey Jr. something else? We don't know. So at that point, it's like, well, so he's not really a, like a star in the way that it was a decade earlier. Well, people would like show the, up. The, the Oscars, like, for most of them, like pre, pre I, I don't know, just to draw a line, like pre-internet Oscars, there was just so much more of a shared like culture of like movies as a, as a form of media that everyone was sharing. Not every, not everyone yeah. was seeing the exact same movies, but there was more of a sense of like, these are the famous people and these are the movies. And it's so fractured now because yeah. you can, there's so much content mm-hmm. and you can just well, curate your own stuff that you see that there, there was less movies so there's a bigger chance people would see most of them yeah, yeah and you can be a person who's like a big like who just is consuming content all the time and still like you know you know or recognize the name of a famous person like maybe you're like one in ten times because most people aren't people you're into or on shows you watch or yeah. in like the movie universe that you are really into and so 
I feel like it's like it's never been harder for the Oscars to try and put everybody in one tent mm-hmm. like they always used to. Yeah. No, because it's all diluted. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's part of the, the, the dissipation of the star system is because there's so much content. There's so many shows and nobody can watch every single thing. Even just the Oscars themselves, the way they have, you know, it's great that they, they have more movies in the categories. But it was like, I was just trying to catch up leading up to it yeah. and right. I still didn't get a chance to see everything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> part of it part of it is because certain things aren't on streaming services yet and certain things aren't this. Right. And not everyone else in my family wants to watch it, so I'm not gonna pay twenty four dollars to rent a fucking movie <laughs> on streaming <laughs> for myself. I'm I'm just not going to. <laughs> it's really changed though too, like the movies that are that are put up, right? That are held up. Like it and I think maybe that changes social media too and a lot of like uh, culture zeitgeist where like it um with the whole la la land versus moonlight and like so i think there was a lot of pressure where like okay all the movies that we need to hold up as art or cinema need to be about social issues or be like serious serious dramas like there was a time when like titanic won and little miss sunshine and like like pop- yeah. popular movies that people did see would win like now it's it's just less so it's more serious movies and people are watching less movies but also it's not the movies that people are watching that are Winning? Well, that's what made me talk about Coda as well. Is Coda is like, I watched it with my kids and they fucking loved it. Yeah. Like, that's a family film. It's a film that's funny and yeah. sweet, but also serious and talks about an issue that people don't talk about, right? Um, but in that, so that's what was inspiring for me with that too. It's not, it's not like a, an, an, a boring inflate. That, that movie is also like, I think it's around two hours, but it's also not like this right. overinflated <laughs> yeah. two and a half hour, three hour epic movie. Uh, I I love Coda and I I really I, I really like your opinion on it. I I have a different opinion, but I'd I, love to hear it. like what, what's your. Oh, I I loved Coda. Like I love Coda. I laughed. I cried, but like, I don't think it deserved to win Best Picture. Like I think because because I, I think the Academy Awards like are supposed to to me they're supposed to um, honor technical proficiency and brilliance and like hard work for everybody. Yeah. And, and that and cinema and like so that and movies and like going to the movies. To me, like, I think it's a, I think it's become a problem, especially the last two years. Everybody's watching these big cinematic movies on their TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody is. I, my uncle called me and he's like, I'm watching Dune. I'm like, oh, you're watching Where? that on a little TV, aren't you? Like, <laughs> I went and saw it on IMAX. IMAX. Like, I went and made a point and yeah. it was like yeah. incredible and visceral and you could feel it. Like, uh, and West Side Story too. I went to the theater. It was like one of the first yeah. movies I saw and it was incredible. And Spielberg was masterful. It was I think lights out incredible and it was moving and I cried. And then like I loved Coda, but like I watched that on my TV. I thought it was just a very elevated TV movie with beautiful performances. It has its merits and I guess judging art against each other it's like apples and oranges and it's always going to be weird, but to me it seems like the Oscars, movies, cinema, it's like I don't see how objectively anybody could think that was like more Best picture than West Side Story or Dune or like a like a, a theater movie, but nobody sees them like that anymore. Yeah, but I also like I had this this disagree not disagreement but you know differences of opinions with someone else this morning talking about Dune and they're like, well, most people didn't watch it properly. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, <laughs> well, a lot of people that watched it at home as opposed to theaters didn't like it, and people that watched it at theaters did. And 
He's like, so you have to watch it properly. It's like, any movie that has to be watched a certain way to work doesn't work. Then it, that's my argument. Then it just I'm not saying that's what you're saying. Awards, but right? it's like, if, if the only way you can appreciate a movie is to see it on a huge scope... Then it should win Best Production Design or Best, you know, well, Effects or Best... You know what I mean? It's just, I, yeah, I, yes and no. It's like, I think... But it's, it's become a lost art form where there are artists like, like that shooting for the theatrical experience. And so then they don't, they don't translate as well on a smaller screen. And so... I mean, what you're saying is true if you're just judging it based on story, and, yeah. that, and that's okay. It's like Coda's an amazing story, and it hits you. It can hit you if it's big or small. It doesn't matter. That's fine. But anyway, they're just they're different. Yeah, Art I mean, I saw those all on big screens too, but it's like they yeah. didn't hit me emotionally. They just didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, yeah. if like under your definition of like all those elements put together, I totally see what you're saying about Coda. For me, the film that won that should have been Best Picture for me would have been Licorice Pizza. Oh, I haven't like, seen that one. I saw that in the theaters, and it was just like everything grabbed me. It was just yeah. like it felt. It was. It felt like PT returning to like his earlier films, where it was just about like nostalgia and heart, and just like, and it wasn't because I felt like the last couple of films he's made felt a bit like antiseptic, and co- really cold. Yeah. Where this one had like the heart again and the warmth, mm. and also reminded me of my childhood a bit, uh, but also had you know because mm. it also was just a gorgeous yeah. and was just so technically well made too. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, I think there's also like, you know, Christopher Nolan refuses to let his movies be like, or doesn't refuse, but like, only scenes, only seen in IMAX, only this and they won't release them. But then it's like, you know what, but you can't control whether or not someone watches on their phone. You just can't. Once you allow it to be rented, someone can watch on their phone whether you like it or not. And if your movie doesn't work for that, then that's a problem because that's where the theatrical life is just smaller than it used to be, Right. So, and I'm not saying don't make movies for the big screen. I love watching movies that I make on the big screen and friends make on the big screen. But you have to realize that it's like that's a small part of its life now. And if yeah. that's the only oh, way it works. Yeah. yeah, but also, I also think to that point, sadly, even the big filmmakers like Spielberg and these guys, they're not making films to last a lifetime anymore. They're making films to have a short shelf life. And then it's all about commodity filmmaking. And they move on to the next one. And I'm not saying that's their mentality, but that's definitely the mentality of like... Because again, like we said, so much content, this, this stuff doesn't have to stick around like the way it used to and be thought of the way it used to, which is t- horrifying to me and sad to me, right? Yeah. You know? Um, but I think that's part of it too, is that they're okay if it's like if it doesn't age well in other mediums because we only needed it to do well this year. And we're not worried about its long-term... I don't know. I hate that thought. I hate that I said that. But I feel that I can't help but think that just watching the way we just burn through media. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, just the industry, the art form, it's it's all it's all an upheaval. Like, it's definitely changed and it's... I think you want to be more like DeMille and less like Norma. <laughs> What's that mean? Well, you want to be able to like, you know, change with the times. Yeah. You know, yeah, like DeMille, sure. be, you know, he, he was like revered and didn't get stuck. He actually like embraced the new way of filmmaking. Norma was still sort of stuck in the times where, you know, why can't things be like the way they used to? We didn't need words. Yeah. <laughs> we had faces. The pictures didn't get... Small. Smaller. No, no uh, the pictures didn't get bigger. 
Oh, you're, what's you're the, butchered I butchered her. We butchered the <laughs> best line in the movie. I didn't get smaller. They, the pictures smaller. did. Yeah. I didn't get smaller. The pictures did. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's interesting that this conversation we're having about current day. You're right. Is sure. quite yeah. reminiscent of silence to talkies to how can we change with the times to stay not to, like, not just relevant, but engaged. Yeah. So we're not Silence just, to talkies to TikTok. you made it sadder (laughs) (laughs) no but it is true but there's that like i look at like the way my kids what they what they get engaged in and they're and they're a little bit different because they've got a nerd dad that makes them watch old movies like like someone's begging me to sit up and watch this movie with us tonight but i'm like it's a school night yeah we'll watch billy wild another night He said, so but it's Laura Desmond, Dad. And I said, shut up. Well, no, he didn't. I wish. He's not that nerdy. <laughs> Yet. Yeah, that'd be a, that would be worrisome. But he did say, it's a Billy Wilder picture. I was like, your charm will not win the day. <laughs> Go to bed. But sucking up the dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, but it is interesting to think of it that way. And, and the idea of, like, just trying to, like, just where culture's going. And, and how, you know, even, like, I teach um, film two different film schools and just like the way they talk about films and the way like I get try to get them I try to curate a list of like stuff through the ages to, to, to give them some kind of a film education because I assume none of them have one mm-hmm. or none of them like oh I don't watch anything that's black and white like that's just a I've heard student people say that where I'm just like that you just because it's black and white you refuse to watch it I'm like that's a fucked up mm-hmm. that's so like there's make a, it homework well, I do, I but it's like, but it's like for me, it's like, is there a form of like, like racism is not, culturalism? Like, what is the word that is right where you're just like, I refuse to watch anything that like, what is it? But that to, I don't even know what the word is, but it seems no. like there's something about it that feels wrong and that you shouldn't. I don't know how to feel, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but so I try to like force them to watch certain things, but also realize that it's like some of these old films don't. You assume they're going to be boring and flat, so I always try to pick things that are fun, mm. right? Great so they don't feel like homework. I thought this one was entertaining. Like yeah. I, I wasn't bored. It moves. Uh, there wasn't anything horribly yeah. awkward or racist or anything. Any was or like no, like too horribly sexist. A little bit, but <laughs> only when you went to sign a contract on her back. That was about the <laughs> the only thing that even. Well, there was the one yeah. moment when that the New Year's Eve party where he was like, like he was leaning in to kiss her, but then it's. It, you and you got comfortable too, Natalie. But they were quoting the film. It became very clear that they were yeah. acting. Yes, yeah. and so yeah, then yeah. it became cute, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a little foreshadowing, but yeah, it came later. But there are so many of these that are fun and entertaining. Uh, like we mentioned, the apartment earlier. That's one of the ones I got my students to watch. And and the one young lady who refused point blank to watch Black and White said that's one of her favorite movies now. See? Oh wow! Well. I was like, if I've done nothing nice. else this entire semester, <laughs> I how do you appreciate nice. something that I'm like. Anyway, but it's just, it's that realization, and some of them are, some of them are, they feel old and they feel very dated and they're hard to sit through, but there's some gems in there that do age really, really well. Um, Here's a question about this one. Yeah. You mentioned that it got critical acclaim, it got nominations, Mm -hmm. and I'm always surprised to find out that movies that I think of as being like massive movies from the, 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 the first time they were ever screened were flops that uh. but it was a snowball effect or were sort of like a middling movie that only was appreciated you know like five ten years later or whatever like 
Was this one that was like a huge hit right away, did you know? Or was it a bit of more of a, like, as the years went on, it got more and more respect? It's 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I think this one did well from the get-go. Again, there wasn't a lot of movies. There wasn't as many movies. Like, I think movies he's... back then that were getting nominated were... Being, they weren't they were like, there weren't like weird art house movies like today that are being nominated that people haven't seen. Well, they, yet. there was no weird art house movies, right? They weren't even really well, importing foreign cinema at that point in the fifties, yeah. right? Like I think it was being nominated like it was one of the fifteen movies that was made that year. Or ten, or, I don't know. There were people five movies them. nominated, and this was one of them. Right. And it's only been how many years that we now nominate ten? Just Three, in the last decade, two, they've yeah. started doing it. Right. They did it off and on. They went back and forth a bit, but. Well, yeah, I think maybe maybe like Hollywood put out two new movies a week at, at, in the fifties. Maybe, maybe and the, three. What the numbers like? Like in like millions, right? Like like of now? Was, you mean no then? Because everyone would go to see a film. Yeah, because you there's that was your entertainment, yeah. right? It was like it was cheap too, right? To go see a yeah. movie as opposed to going to the theater, and nobody had television. Or if you did, you were just watching. You know, I Love Lucy and, and, and stuff like that, right? Like, they, I mean, they'd show old movies on TV, but um, but they're all second run, you know? And if you didn't see it in the theater, you don't know when you'd see it again, right? Because it wasn't like you can go rent it or decide when to see yeah. it, so... I remember as a kid, like, a movie went to the theater, we went to see it, missed it, missed the window, and you're like, oh my god, when am I going to see that You again? have to wait a year for it to get going on the video. Or you go multiple times. Even younger than that, it was like, it didn't have a VCR, like, it was like... Might never see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now people are just like, oh, I'll see it on, like, it'll be on Disney Plus in two yeah. weeks. Yeah, exactly. No, like, what, I went, my son's 18, and we went to see The Eternals. And at about halfway through, he just sort of, like, jerks in chair. And it's like, I realized, oh, he just woke up. Because oh. <laughs> he was, he just was, like, bored and oh. tired and 18, and, yeah. and it was a dark room. And we were like, all right, let's just, like, go. We were like... Well, we're about a, you know an hour and five minutes into it. We'll just keep that in mind when we finish watching it online in Next like month or right. a month or something. Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about that movie too. When I saw it. <laughs> I know. I have problems with that one too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I mean, uh, you know, everyone it. worked really hard on it, and there's lots to enjoy. And I would love to be. I think I love movies with I will see every movie with a superhero in it but my biggest yeah. problem was who are the Eternals <laughs> who are them I know Spider-Man and Iron Man are but who are Eternals but I, but you I, you could make that argument for Guardians but I'm like Guardians was fun yeah, as hell that's true and it just worked yeah. where Eternals just felt them like so they're here the whole time they just didn't help out at all with all this other shit that was going on right. they were told not to Fuck that! Wait, there's so much bullshit about that. <laughs> is that and is that guy also Bucky, or did he just look a lot like him? Yeah, right. Why, why is this reminding me of the Jupiter Rising series? Didn't do very well. Stuff yeah. going on. So, uh, so final thoughts on on Sunset Boulevard. Cautionary tale. Cautionary tale. <laughs> oh boy. <yeah. laughs> I think this Billy Wilder, Wilder is a promising director. Yeah. We should all pay very close attention. He's got a future. Yeah, at sunset. Uh, time for me to get out of the film business? <laughs> oh. <laughs> B. DeMille. I'm going to find me a sugar mama. Pivot. Oh, yeah? Just get a sugar mama. Yeah. That's a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure she's cool with the wife. It's a good retirement plan. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I was glad to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, and I, w- I was happy with how much it held up. Uh, you know, by by that that standards, but and I I was just rooting for Max this time. 
I was all but Max. Nice. <laughs> Max. Oh, yeah. Pass it. He made he was the saddest guy. And the dead monkey. I forgot about that dead dead, dead monkey. <laughs> I thought Max was gonna be the yeah, killed him at the end. I thought if he would do it, not her, but she I thought he would have taken the hit. Mm-hmm. He would have really said loved he did her. It. I thought I thought for sure he was gonna say he did it. It was her moment in the spotlight. Yeah. Right. Well it was a trailer. It's like, okay, I really need her to, you know, I feel like, yeah, for him to exist, she needs to have, but then he got to reprise his role as director, and it was a win-win, Oh, win-win-lose. Ten minutes after this movie ends, it turns into a shit show for them, their lives are over. Yeah. <laughs> they both end up in jail. It, it kind of bumps me a little bit that, like, that it just buried, quietly buried the body, like, who would, you know, like, the Max would have buried the body for her, like, why, who called the cops? Like, no, no, Max was smart <laughs> enough to know that it's like, he'd been out and about, Betty was in love with him, and it's like, so they're gonna come around know. and figure yeah. it out, like, Max wasn't stupid, hmm. um, but also I think he just saw it as like, <laughs> the cameras are here? You know, he just saw it as her last, like, one last day in the sun, yeah. before she yeah. goes and rots away in a prison cell. But she would have ended up in a, some kind of a mental institution, right? Oh, yeah. Like, clearly, just every, all those cameras rolling, watching what, what they watch, I'm like, oh, she yeah. is not... She, yeah, she can just go straight to uh, <laughs> well, she'd get a off special on, hospital. Yeah, she would have got off on um, an insanity plea. But even, like, Hollywood's, like, preoccupation, too, with, like, you know, you said the spectacle and, like, you know, with scandal and with, again, just, like, um, like, someone's sort of mental demise as entertainment. Yeah. And I feel like, again, like, not to bring up Kanye West, but it's like we're still in that same sort of fixation, that unhealthy fixation that I just, I I was shocked at how relevant this movie still is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah, yeah sad. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but it's interesting, but the, the set, and, but it also, it's like, it just speaks to like how much nobody talked about it at the age, but it's like, clearly that's like that she has, Mental illness challenges, mm-hmm. but nobody addresses that. It's like you watch and it's like, oh, just crazy old actors, crazy old sad actors. Like, well, no, there's and more going on. Enabling there. her, yeah, as yeah. opposed to helping her, thinking that enabling is helping. Again, it was just a lesson in codependence. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just sadly that's that was the times back then. She's like, oh, well, they're just crazy now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't have these conversations. Mm. There's no Bellettes Talk hope, Day. I hope she gets no. the help she needs. <laughs> you hope she gets the help she needs? Yeah. So she can have a real return? There was also just less actual good help. Yeah. And we yeah. still have a long way to go. Yeah. But yeah. there was even less then. They just give her shock therapy at the yeah. asylum. Like, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but in my bed, less help. There's like none. They were just like, go in your padded room and, uh, and take yeah. your pills and don't bother the rest of society. Oof. I feel like you were on gonna, that note. I was gonna say you were gonna wrap it up in a much nicer way. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. Sorry, we. <laughs> you want to take that again? It was whole movie. It was that was great. It was yeah. I, I really enjoyed rewatching it. It's um again. It's like Billy Wilder. I could listen to Billy Wilder dialogue all day long. Um, and it's beautifully shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Even with the exception of like you know some like. Um, like a couple of old timey sort of expressions, I found like the writing still really holds up too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it like clips along. It's still really funny. Like the humor didn't feel dated. Yeah, no, you still laugh at it. You don't. You don't kind of groan. Yeah, it's the movies in the middle. Like there's like in the eighties. Like there's a lot of oof. Oh. Right, right, right. There's I'm a lot sorry. of there's a lot of eye rolls. Yeah, I still always appreciate and like it always hits me when watching a little, the old movies. Usually with you is just the the simplicity <laughs> of the shooting too. I mean, it's beautiful, but a lot of it just like it's a two shot here. It's like the actors do their things. It's it's blocked so they're both facing the camera. Great, got it. Stage Move on. Next two shot. Like it's not like it's just it, it stands out to me because like every day 
modern filmmaking, it's always like, oh my god, let's get all this coverage, and we gotta, like, oh, turning around, and again, and we're, like, it's just, the cutting patterns, right? It's just, like, so over, everything's overcut, and so this is, yeah, it's a little refreshing. Hold your attention in a way. Well, it was like, the once we, we realized small. it was easier to edit, and we didn't have to have all this, these bins, and we, we started doing it on computers, we're like, yeah. oh, we can shoot more, but it's like, well, yeah, just because you can doesn't mean you yeah. should always, right? Mm. Well, and the medium dictated that back then, too. Yeah. It's like literally taping film together. You're not going to do a million edits. It's For sure, but there was so, so much. Cool. So they had to be creative within staging and whatnot. But yeah. there's still, it's like, there's so much great, sim- like you said, simplicity in the story, just in the staging that we've somewhat lost. And there's still some great filmmakers that do, like Spielberg yeah. still loves him himself and won her, you know. Absolutely. But it's so rare these, these days. No, it is. Or risky, you know. <laughs> do it. Do winners. Uh, I love the the Max, the lead actor. I loved his. He had a lot of. He moves slowly. I think these slow movements, which I really appreciate. That it's kind of like an older. It's an older style, but also like I also think it's kind of almost forced by the technology a bit. So it was like the sort of like less editing, less shooting, but but also like camera moves, right? Just like everything Simpler. moves slower. So he's he's moving slowly, like mm-hmm. when he moves side to side. It's like you don't have fast steady cams that can like, like yeah. keep up with them right? there, isn't, there isn't eight people watching it on monitors so yeah like uh, there's an elegant little thing wrong with it that I, yeah, I like that yeah well there's an elegance and I think a movie like this kind of you know that's about like a legend of old kind of like deserves that and it's fitting mm-hmm. yeah that's a nicer note I want to see what there you guys make yeah. next if you're at all influenced with like economy of you know yeah coverage mm. <laughs> I always I love a, a winner I love like long we're just an actress at where you just let like performance yeah. go I'm letting the scene play like two people together in the same frame and not yeah. chopping it up into I love it I love it overlap it's my favorite thing to do well that's just oh even in I love anyway I can talk all day about how I'm okay with overlapping coverage too but um, yeah that's my jam well, thanks for coming over. Thanks for it's so having nice to do this in person, in person again. Yes, it's lovely. Did you just kind of like um, have like Netflix parties where everyone press play at the same time yeah, for the yeah, last couple yeah. years? Yeah, the last two years have been a lot of uh, Zoom podcasts, which is nice too because I've been able to have people on that aren't necessarily just in Toronto, right, or or nearby. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's opened it up to like a lot different different guests that I wouldn't normally have on in the past. So, what was your guess? That was like the furthest away. Oh God! Uh, who, someone was on a boat. Atlanta Harkin was like in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> oh wow! Whoa. Yeah, she was doing like correspondence for Sam B's show, and so she was like in the middle of like the Florida Keys. I think when I got her, what or somewhere I can't remember where she was. Not that that's that, that far away. She's so cool. But there was uh, <laughs> like stuff like that where it's just like she's like, yeah, I'm on a. Bo-. She's like, I can't really do it, but I'm on a boat. I could probably just do it when I'm in port one day. So that was a fun one. But uh, yeah, just people in general, just. Uh, People I haven't seen in a while. People that don't live in Toronto. So, it's been fun. Well, thanks for having us. We'll do it again. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for the snacks. Thank you for the snacks. Let's all go. Thanks for joining us for Sunset Boulevard. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get our snacks.